You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Southern Fried Sports right here on your home for University of Alabama Athletics Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Schreier, your trusty if not talented host of the program Fresh from BamaOnline.com where I serve as the senior analyst for the Alabama affiliate there on the 247sports.com network. The show as always brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa, you know, yesterday signified the first day of autumn, but they've made that transition to fall a couple weeks ago over there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. So if you're in a fall state of mind, I'm not sure they have anything pumpkin spice. Maybe they do. Chocolate lady doesn't miss a trick. So that wouldn't surprise me. But anything fallish that you would like in terms of your treats. You're going to find that right now for sure. Football is part of that as well. They've still got that full-size chocolate football that is inflated with chocolate-covered popcorn. They got that for you. And they can decorate those footballs, maybe with a Roll Tide, maybe with a War Eagle. I don't know if she'll do go Vols. not sure about that one. have to check with her. But Peter Brook Chocolates here out there at 1530. McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program, as always, by executive producer Joe Gaither, who together we combine to form the six dividend of Sports Talk Radio. Joe, how are you doing on this hump day morning? Oh, we're making it through. Counting down to the weekend, ready to get a, get, get a full dose of football this weekend. Yeah, you know, we got another mile marker this morning, right? It's going on right now. Nick Saban, as a matter of fact, just moments ago appearing on that SEC coaches teleconference. So there's another mile marker, kids. You know, the kids have been in the back seat. We've been on that long drive out to Yellowstone. That's what it seemed like, hadn't it? Horse and carriage style this year, that drive out to the Grand Canyon. It's been worse than a Griswold sort of trip, venture, quest. Quest for fun, as Clark Griswold described that trip back in that iconic flick vacation but we're almost there kids we're almost there 205-342-9904 is the peterbrook chocolatier studio line if you'd like to check in with us on this wednesday morning obviously a lot of college football talk we got to talk about the atlanta braves a little bit don't we back to back to back nl east champs the Atlanta Braves rolling into the postseason. The Braves going to have a Cy Young Award winner and an MVP on that same team. Freddie Freeman and Max Reed. I don't know. Maybe one out of the two, if not both. But look, you know, it might be a little bit of an asterisk beside it. It was a it is a sixty game regular season, but uh, it's going to count. I can promise you this: they'll be flying that flag at Truist Park, two thousand twenty, NL East champs and they should you know a lot of hoops have had to been jumped through to get to this point so even if it is a third of the season essentially no good for the Atlanta Braves another NL East title hopefully hopefully there won't be a matchup with the St. Louis Cardinals at any point in the postseason because the Cardinals can be 10 and 50 and they're gonna make it look easy I'm afraid against the Braves doesn't matter doesn't matter what the Cardinals have or don't have 205-342-9904, 205-342-9904, the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. You know, Joe, I had given some thought, some serious thought 
and actually had pretty much decided wasn't going to make the trip to Columbia, Missouri this weekend. I had pretty much decided on that. And then here comes the middle of the week, right? And the chocolate lady and, you know, let's maybe get in the car. Let's make that venture. Let's make that uh, trip. So now we're going to Columbia, Missouri, you know, not credentialed, not credentialed. Didn't even really think to pursue those. Charlie Potter of the BamaOnline.com staff, he is. So Charlie will be there, but it's just going to be kind of a date trip for the chocolate lady and myself. And I think that's pretty much it for me when it comes to SEC ballparks is for Rowe Field. I think that's the only one I haven't hit yet. Yeah. So that will take care of that. And uh, I think what we're going to do is right after the show tomorrow, jump in the rig and off we go. You know, maybe we just get to Memphis, have some barbecue for dinner, post up for the evening. Still got to do the show on Friday, right? So we'll figure that out as we kind of move along. But then uh, maybe St. Louis on Friday night, maybe. I don't know. Maybe straight into Columbia. I did check on Columbia, Missouri, and there's hotel rooms available in Columbia, Missouri for the weekend. Friday and Saturday night. And it's not at all the places that I saw anyway, a two-night minimum. Now, the I think it's the Hampton Inn on campus in Columbia. You're going to have to commit to the two-nighter. But even at that, the rates aren't Tuscaloosa-like. You know, they're not like $600 a night with a two-night minimum like they are around here. That might change around here, though. Well, I could see a change in certainly this year. But once we get back to that sort of normal routine of game weekends in Tuscaloosa, it'll be interesting. All these hotels, right? These new hotels have been built here in the last two years kind of in anticipation of this season. And now everything's upside down. So we'll see what it's like uh, post-COVID. I don't know if we'll ever be post-COVID. It's like saying, are you post-influenza? We're still not post-influenza. I did get my flu shot the other day, by the way. Joe Gaither, are you a a vacciner? Uh, I'm a vacciner to to a degree. I'm not a flu shotter, but certainly, you know, get the necessary vaccines as a child. When you're like three days old. That's the last shot you get. So no flu shot for Joe Gaither. There you um, go. We've I'm had that debate not, here on the program before. Can I let you in on a secret, Travis? It doesn't work. Needles are one of my top three fears. And <laughs> irrationally speaking, too. I'll give my arm to the nurse if I have to or let her stick it wherever it needs to go, but I will hate it in my brain the whole time. Well, there's a topic for the program, maybe. Phobias. Your greatest phobias. So needles are right there at the top of the list for Joe Gaither, it sounds like. You know, Absolutely. I don't like them either, Joe. I don't like them either, but the flu shot is about as simple as it gets, man. You just uh, you just kind of look away to the opposite side, and it's over before it ever gets started. Now, when you're a little kid, that was traumatic, right? Because it seemed like every shot I got as a kid was to the buttocks, and I did not enjoy those at all. I think that's where a lot of it comes from. Some of your very most earliest formative memories are of shots, injections, and uh, harrowing. You know, they used to give us this stupid little sucker at the end of it, you know, after they put about four holes in us, like Machine Gun Kelly or something. And then they give us this stupid little, and it wasn't even one of the red pops. You know, you always wanted that red pop, right? And it ended up being the yellow one or the green one. You know, you'd be sobbing, still walking out. And parenting back then was certainly different. You know, your mom's telling you to shut up. (laughs) Ah, the good old days. But no, um, yeah, I mean, phobias, needles are right up there with them. But I did get the flu shot. Look, you can go to the Publix right now, and they're going to give you the $10 uh, store card, gift card, for free if you just get a flu shot. Can't beat that. Anyway, we are going to Columbia, it turns out. So there you go. Columbia, Missouri coming up this weekend. I'll take any and all travel advisements for any of the St. Louis slash Columbia veterans. The ticket prices have come down a little bit. Checked on some of those. 
you know, the ticket prices, ticket man a couple weeks ago for this Alabama-Missouri game, we were talking about 400-plus per seat. Now, they're still not cheap, but I've seen some in some club sections there at Faroe Field in the last day or so for a couple hundred apiece, which tells me if they've already dropped that much, and it looked like there's a pretty good bit of inventory for a limited capacity that you're going to have there Saturday night. Now, you might see ticket prices come on down under 100 bucks by kickoff, and we'll see how it goes. But just some observations as we get you ready. For Alabama and Missouri, we'll start getting into matching up these teams. I did a piece on BamaOnline.com yesterday. I do it every game week for Alabama football for probably about, what, 17 years now there at Bama Online. Three matchups for Alabama and Missouri. We'll talk a little bit about those. I think as much as anything, what I'm going to be watching is sort of these linebacker running back uh, matchups that you're going to have in the game. I mean, you're going to have Najee Harris and Brian Robinson, maybe a third back. Who's the third back going to be for Alabama? Is it Trey Sanders? Like we all thought it was going to be, or is it going to be one of these true freshmen? Because Keelan Robinson hasn't participated in practices at all this preseason. So he's not in that mix. But then you look at the Missouri defense. We talked about this uh, earlier in the week with Dave Matter. Does an outstanding job covering Missouri for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. You've got Nick Bolton, an all-SEC linebacker there at the weak side position for Missouri. you got Devin Nicholson, promising sophomore there at the Mike linebacker spot. You've got a fairly formidable defensive line coming back. For the Missouri Tigers, not a Missouri defense that really gets after the quarterback, or at least last year it didn't with a great success rate ranked last in the league last year in sacks with just 19, but between the tackles capable enough. So if you're an Alabama fan and you think Saturday night's just going to start and end with Najee ripping off 12, 15, 18 yards, kind of his signature range for runs, right? That's going to be interesting to watch, too, because Najee's obviously put a lot into this offseason in terms of trying to be more effective, more proficient where the explosive plays are concerned. Not that a 12 to 18 yard run doesn't technically qualify as an explosive play, but more runs in excess of 30 yards. I think he only had two in excess of 30 last year, which when you consider he still averaged nearly six yards per carry, that's pretty amazing. That tells you how many he had between 8, 12, 15, and 18. But then on the other side of the ball, I think it's going to be similar with Dylan Moses and Christian Harris going up against Larry Roundtree the third and Tyler Beatty. You know, a couple of running backs, if you're Elijah Drinkwitz, you're probably going to lean on as much as you can anyway. The problem for Missouri is that that's still going to be a semi-revamped offensive line. You kind of had to go the grad transfer route to plug the hole there at center. You had a three-year starter at center. So you went to Rutgers, and you plucked Michael Maetti, 6'1", 291-pound grad transfer. And so you're going to have that matchup with D.J. Dale on the point. Uh, and then you look at the linebackers, Moses and Harris and Roundtree and Beatty. And, you know, Roundtree and Beatty, they've gone against Alabama in the past. A couple of years ago, right here in Tuscaloosa. They combined for 89 yards. Took them like 23 carries. But Beatty actually averaged about 6.8. Beatty's a guy that's going here, – here's the deal. Roundtree and Beatty are going to give you a good idea about where Dylan Moses is at physically on Saturday night. Because Roundtree at 5'10", 210 pounds between the tackles. He can be a lot, and he can get the job done there. And then Beatty in space, you know, smaller back, 5'9", 200 pounds. But Beatty was Missouri's second leading receiver a year ago, which probably tells you a lot about Missouri's receiving core in 2019 as much as anything else. But he was very similar in that aspect of the offense to what Najee Harris brings to Alabama as a receiver. So it'll be a nice opening test for Dylan Moses. You know, it's been, what, 20 months since we've seen Dylan Moses in game action? 
you know, because of that knee injury 13 months ago. So uh, we're going to have a lot revealed to us, I think, on Saturday night in some of these matchups. Something else we're going to reveal coming up here in just a little bit. The thoughts of Cecil Hurt, the longtime sports editor and columnist for the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. We'll get Cecil's perspective on the upcoming college football weekend with certainly Alabama and Missouri a big part of that discussion. We'll do all that and more when Southern Fried Sports, presented by Houston Hydrosteen. Quality work you can stand on. That's what we're talking about with Houston Hydrosteen, whether it's your carpets, your rugs, your upholstery, your tile and grout cleaning. Houston Hydrosteen, the people to call at 205-553-9460. Home to the Houston Rug Revival. We've had it done at Casa de Rire. I can tell you, it's a very real thing. Jackie and his staff, locally owned, locally operated, outstanding people, outstanding work. 205-553-9460. Back with more of a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports, right here on Tide 100.9 FM, right after this. If you're loud... From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by Koneka Sausage, a true Southern flavor since 1947, and now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Visit online at ConecuhSausage.com. Hello, everybody. I'm Chris Stewart filling in for Roger Hoover. If the Tide is to return to the top of the SEC West on the gridiron and the national championship picture, they'll need strong play from the quarterback slot. Mac Jones is hoping to fill that role this season, as he did at the end of last year, and he hopes to do so in a big way in the opener this weekend against Mizzou. I've learned from a lot of great people. Coach Saban's obviously been a big part of that, just watching him coach me and taking what he says and applying it to my life. Um, Obviously, my teammates, just learning from them and watching the older guys when I was younger, and now that I'm sort of an older guy now, just trying to set the example that I can for the younger guys. I'll have more in a moment. The Crimson Tide's newest partner is already an Alabama favorite. Kaneka Sausage is now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Made in Evergreen, Alabama, Kaneka's tradition of making the finest hickory smoked sausage hasn't changed in over 70 years. Always great for breakfast, Kaneka Sausage is now a tailgate grilling favorite. Kaneka Sausage, a true Southern flavor since 1947, and now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Saturday's matchup in Columbia between the Tide and the Missouri Tigers is set for 6 o'clock Central. ESPN will have the television matchup. We'll have the radio coverage here on the Crimson Tide Sports Network beginning at 3. That's your Bama update, Crimson Tide Today. Brought to you by Koneka Sausage is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. We'll mention a chance of widely scattered showers this afternoon, otherwise mostly cloudy with a high at 73. For tonight, the clouds will stay in place, showers becoming more likely, the low at 59. Tomorrow, cool and wet, rain likely much of the day, the high 72. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier. It's that time on Wednesday when we like to head to the studio line there and check in with Cecil Hurt, the sports editor and columnist for the Tuscaloosa News and TideSports.com. Cecil, we talked about it in the opening segment. We actually had an SEC 
coaches teleconference this morning previewing a weekend of games, Cecil. It feels even more real now, doesn't it? It was it was normalcy um, in terms of in terms of a having one and b at least on the segments that I had a chance to listen to none of the coaches really saying much of anything, which is also normal. Absolutely, coach speak. Although I think I think Jeremy, I, I do think Jeremy gave a good answer. Um, you know, they're embroiled in this um, transfer Cade May's situation. Um, George's got a couple of those ongoing and I think I think Jeremy did give a good Jeremy Pruitt did give a good answer about uh, their position and and why uh, it's a little frustrating to to have to wait on the SEC office and I'm sure Greg Sankey who who's at least for this teleconference I think he's on at twelve thirty. Um, I'm sure he'll be asked about it. So that that situation is uh, would normally be big news, but obviously the big news right now is just everybody on that drive to Saturday and trying to, to make it. I, I hope to be in Columbia, Missouri for a football game. I hope not to be in Columbia, Missouri for some reason other than the football game. <laughs> I, wanna, I, I like Columbia, but I don't want to make that all unless they're, they're teeing it up. With that in mind, Cecil, how important were the comments of Mizzou head coach Elia Drinkwitz yesterday coming off what we heard from him six days earlier? Well, it was you know, it was something that you could be optimistic about just from the sheer logistics of the numbers. Uh, having seven out is a lot better than having 12 out, and with tests remaining, uh, it, it reduces, I would say, it reduces the the concern over over having a position group. I, I think it's 69. I think he said they were at 69 scholarship players, and they weren't going to be at 85. You know, they're under an NCAA sanction um, that was that was kind of left over from a from a academic case, a school book case. I don't know if people really remember it, but yeah, they were down three or four anyway. And then you have your regular injuries that, that you know Alabama will have some of those as well. Um, and then seven, if you're at seven, COVID. Uh, that's not. I've seen. I've seen um, lower in the SEC, and and Alabama won't be at, at 85 of their scholarship players dressed. Some of them are. Some of them are injured. Ronald Williams, for example. Ronald Williams, the junior college transfer with the broken arm, uh, we know for sure. And I don't think any of us will be surprised if there isn't at least one or two, perhaps, uh, what we end up finding to be perhaps opt-outs for the for the upcoming season. But um, you mentioned the, the transfer. That. You mentioned the transfer situation. Well, it's been a busy off season for Kirby, right? I mean, he has benefited from transfers. Now, look, one was a grad transfer in Jamie Newman. Another. Uh, he was able to get at the quarterback position, and JT Daniels, who ultimately had his waiver approved. Um, yeah, although aren't they still waiting on a on a final clearance of some type for him for I think, this weekend? I, I know, I know health wise, they were for sure too, yeah. um, because yeah. of the knee injury he had. Um, but perhaps there is something administratively that's still going on with him, but. Um, uh, now, now uh, they they open with Arkansas. I think they could beat Arkansas. With, <laughs> with, I think they could beat John with, Lattin, Certainly with John. With, yeah, put Carson back out there, and I think they'll be. Yeah, John Lastinger, I think, could come back, Cecil, and they'd be all right <laughs> if, in Fayetteville. Um, no, but uh, yeah, just sort of the the randomness of the waiver process, I guess. And it, I, this is interesting, right? Because these are two guys that know each other extremely well in, in Kirby and Jeremy with this. Kate May situation. Sure. Sure. And Kirby and I'm sure Kirby and Lane, although they weren't in Tuscaloosa at the same time. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're familiar with each other as well. So um, yeah, it's it's gonna be a, a situation that, that you know, it's gotten a little volatile with the old mess transfer. And um, talking about uh, 
Otis some of the Reese, treatment he felt he received, yeah, uh, some of the treatment that he felt he received in Athens, uh, which was also part of Justin Fields. You know, this isn't the absolute first time we've ever heard this. This was also part of Justin Fields getting immediately eligible at Ohio State. So that's that's something that Georgia's going to have to. Uh, I certainly am not taking sides because I don't know the facts, but it's certainly something Georgia's going to have to address. Pretty strong statement via Twitter from Otis Reese now of Ole Miss this morning, wasn't it? Uh, well, and, and at least I think at least a couple of his former Georgia teammates um, who are no longer on the squad who graduated, but who were there with him at Georgia. So, yeah, this, this, I remember and, that. I mean, yeah, and, so. and that the one situation that he sort of outlines, if you haven't seen this yet, uh, in his statement this morning, it sounds like it was – in connection, maybe it was another situation. Gosh, you hope it isn't. But uh, he refers to one of his closest friends and teammates uh, being called a, a racist term by a white student athlete, which that was essentially the scenario in which Justin Fields uh, made his move, right, to Ohio State. Absolutely. So. Now, now Justin, Justin Fields. Didn't require an SEC clearance. He, you know, obviously left the SEC. True. But, but you don't want, you know, if if it's just one player. And again, I do not know the facts. I'm not accusing Kirby of anything. I, I don't know the situation in Georgia, so please understand. I'm just saying, if it's one disgruntled transfer, that's one thing. But when it's two, three, uh, you know, a high profile transfer like Justin Fields gets a waiver and another player says I went through something similar you know maybe it's just it's just trying to push the transfer process but it's something as I said without knowing the facts it's something that Georgia needs to um, investigate fully and and be prepared to, to show their side of the story if they have a side of the story so, Cecil, outside of Alabama, Missouri, which we'll get into a little bit more here in a minute, what, what's the other game or games in the league this weekend that maybe are going to have your attention as much as you, you possibly can look their way? I think most people say Tennessee, South Carolina, uh, which I would agree with. Although I, I kind of I, I like Tennessee this year. We'll see. Jeremy, think, think where Jeremy was um, on September the 23rd last year because they got off that you know, terrible start. And, uh, I don't know that it, a lot of people thought that Jeremy would be coaching right now at Tennessee. But uh, he turned that thing around, and, and I think they've, they've quietly got a pretty good roster up there. So we'll see. We'll see with South Carolina. Um, I'm interested at least. Uh, the athlete thing may, may make it one-sided, but I'm certainly – Interested in Mississippi State, LSU, um, just to see how that plays out. Auburn, Kentucky could be good. Kentucky, I, I don't know what their quarterback situation will be, um, but now they're, they've they sort of turned into what you sort of expected maybe South Carolina to be, well-coached, um, disciplined, play well, got the most out of their talent last year, I thought. Uh, and, and Auburn is always, they're, they're a little bit of a mystery team to me. They do have experience at quarterback that I think will help them. Uh, but, but those games, for sure, all of them, obviously, when you're involved in the SEC, just like you, just like me, they're all, uh, they all have something. They all have a storyline. But all of those, I think, will be uh, fascinating to watch. Maybe more fascinating than Alabama Missouri was. But... Cecil, we learned from Nick Saban last week that that Alabama, in advance of the upcoming season, has gone to everyday testing for COVID-19. Um, what, what's, what do you think is the, the, the future for the rest of the league from that perspective? Do you think it'll be an Alabama situation only, or do you kind of envision the rest of the league perhaps falling in line here? I think the rest of the league wants to, go, wants to go to that. If the Big Ten goes fully to it, um, which they have said they will, although I don't think they've implemented it yet. Um, then I think the SEC will do the same. Uh, I think right now, uh, several 
institutions are looking at, at sort of their best option for that. Um, it is not cheap. You know, Alabama is, is spending a bundle of money to do it that way. Um, so, and, and that's as you proceed down the down the line from from you know major to group of five or however you classify them. Uh, some schools have the resources to do it, and some schools don't. And and but I would think ultimately all the power fives that are attempting to play would would contract with a with a testing company that can do daily, and you can do it now, but um, not everybody, frankly. Um, Alabama can afford some things that some other programs can't. Understanding the just enormous shift and change in the day-to-day process of college football right now for teams and even the preseason that we've encountered, what's your expectation just in terms of level of play, quality of play when the SEC gets going this weekend and, and maybe more specifically you know, looking at this Alabama team? Well, that's a great question uh, that, that will get answered on Saturday. I don't think it's been – I'm going to be honest with you, Travis. I don't think that it's been, uh, you know, at 100% in the games that have been played so far, nor did I expect it to be at 100%, so it's not a criticism of anybody. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much of that has to do with uh, coronavirus. I know a lot of it does, but I don't know how much of, of that has to do with. You know, if the SEC was being played, and I was having to, to do Alabama games every Saturday, I wouldn't have the three hours to sit down and watch uh, Southern Miss and Louisiana Monroe slug it out. You know, right. and maybe. Maybe it's just a different, maybe I just have a different expectation level based on what I see um, every every Saturday. That, that really gets reinforced to me every, now, I, you know, I used to go to a high school game every Friday you know, as part of the job. Um, and that's changed as, as times have changed. And, and I don't do that anymore, but I like to go and try to go when I can. Uh, and uh, sometimes I almost ask, what am I seeing? <laughs> because I'm so calibrated to, to Alabama-level, SEC-level football that you just have to realize that, that there, athletically there are some things that you expect to see that um, they can't do. I will say this, it's a different set of circumstances. I thought particularly over the weekend, uh, the level of NFL play was really high. I thought it was really, um, you know, there were mistakes. There were mental mistakes at Atlanta Falcons. But um, now, again, their, situ- their situation from squad size to, to the athletes that you're putting on the field to, to how they've been able to quarantine and handle all these coronavirus issues is different. Um, but I don't, my, my point to that is. I don't think it's automatically just going to be terrible and not what, not resemble the SEC football that we're used to at all. Um, I think it will in some ways, and I think there will be some, some teams who've had some difficulty. It's got to show a little bit. You know, Tennessee missed a scrimmage. Auburn missed a scrimmage. Uh, so it's got to show a little bit. Speaking of that highest level of play from over the weekend, I, I would say injuries after what we saw Sunday and over the weekend. I mean, good Lord, when you talk about the NFL and the star power that the league uh, took a hit with, with injuries, that, that might be the biggest concern of all. Uh, that, with- I think that is a concern. I think that's definitely a concern. How much contact have you been able to do in practice and for the – for the NFL, with it had no preseason, um, to you know, the, normally they'd have had four preseason games where you sort of ease yourself into that. So I'm, I'm very concerned about that in the SEC and across college football. 
considering you've come off this run with a quarterback for all time, how would you sort of evaluate that spot for Alabama going into this season post two? Is it, is it about as good as you could have anticipated uh, with Mac Jones and, and Bryce Young and, and, and Paul Tyson in that mix? Um, or is it about what you would have anticipated given the greatness of Tua? I think so. You know who I need to, to call, and there's just been so much going on. Really the last guy who had to, to deal with this at Alabama in this particular way, and that's not to, to say that there hadn't been good quarterbacks, uh, A.J., Walter, et cetera. But these, these generational-type quarterbacks, the last guy really probably who had to deal with it was Scott Hunter. Yeah. who follows Namath and Stabler. Um, so, and, and I think that always, uh, Scott went on to an NFL career, but Scott certainly wasn't the only reason that Alabama's record slumped that, that stretch, 68, 69, 70, <clears throat> which included a bowl loss to Missouri. And, but Scott, I, I would be interested in Scott's perspective of that. Fans are going to be how the fans are going to be. Max going to throw a ball. Probably just as well that Matt got some of that out of the way, playing against Auburn and Michigan, where people have the epiphany that he is not Tua, you know, <laughs> nor should he be, nor nor is that what necessarily what Nick Saban wants from him. Uh, so it'll be a It'll be, I think, kind of as it usually is, um, as long as Mac is functional. I mean, he may be much better than functional. He may be outstanding, but um, I think it'll be the same. Questions, written- responses, again, so we know so much more next week than we know this week. Yeah. Because yeah. all the... the my assumption would be that, that we'll see some Bryce Young. We'll see some Paul Tyson. Um, and we'll have a little bit better grasp on, on certainly on Bryce. Um, and on Paul, who I think has, has improved um, based on the scrimmage reports that we've, that we've gotten. And we'll see how Mac performs. But, you know, if Mac, if Mac can do what he did, and I know everybody was uh, – Hundred yard pick six off the guy's butt. I, I get it, um, but if Mac can do what he did against Auburn and Michigan, I'm going to assume they'll be fine against Missouri. Now you got to do it without rubs and beauty, but he's still got enough. Defensively, I know it's something you've touched on here in the last couple of days too. Uh, the impact of some freshmen on that side of the ball. I, I guess it doesn't come as a huge surprise because the opportunity was there. But it's still a little bit of a eye-raising experience when you see true freshmen at the top of the depth chart in some places. Right, both anyway. spots, both spots, yeah. two positions, yeah, and two two pretty important positions that Jack linebacker and star. Um, all positions are important. I understand that, but but um, you know, just turning it over to you guys. That's, they either really recruited well at positions of need, or they're going to going to roll the dice a little bit. And talking about Will Anderson at outside linebacker, Cecil, your yeah, wealth of knowledge and history Sanders. for us, kind of give, give us an idea of what Derek Thomas's freshman season was like, as you recall it. Derek was an amazing physical talent. He didn't play a whole lot. Um, things about about Derek. Now, if you were here in the fourth quarter and you needed to get to their quarterback, Derek was going to be out there. But it took time for Derek to adjust to college football. Um, tremendous athlete. Great, great guy. You know, happy-go-lucky guy. Not the most organized guy in the world. Um, but you could tell the talent. You you could see it. You could see what 
what Bill and that staff had in Derek Thomas and Ray, you know, who actually recruited him. Ray had him uh, for his first couple of years. So, so um, just a, a tremendous dominant player. Um, one thing, and God rest his soul, and we were good friends, so he wouldn't mind me saying this. Derek likes Saturdays a lot more than he likes you. <laughs> if you get my drift. Uh, who doesn't, Cecil? You know? I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Um, so they had some pretty good. But when he, but when he, but, but when he was on the field and, and dialed in, best ever. I mean, the best ever. Yeah, you had guys like Cornelius Bennett already here too. I think when when Derek arrived, so he was. It wasn't, he it was. wasn't like the cupboard was bare. I mean, as talented and generationally talented as DT uh, was, but. Um, and by the way, this is not laying the groundwork in any form or fashion for Will Anderson. Okay, I gotta, I, I gotta put the disclaimer out there, Cecil. That's not what I'm doing here. Yeah, Just, uh, generational guys are generational for a reason. You know? Exactly. And and there may be players on this roster, young players who develop into that. But don't don't stick it on them right out of high school. You know that's that's tough. Yeah, you, you talk about how much we'll know after this game. We're going to know more after warm-ups Saturday night, Cecil, than we've known in the last seven months, eight months. Hadn't been able yeah. to. Hadn't even been able to do the eye test in the <laughs> traditional way. You know, you see some videos, but you've you've been out at practice. You know exactly what I'm talking about. This guy looks yeah. bigger. This guy looks looks heavy. This guy looks. Uh, with, with freshmen, this guy looks ready. This guy needs a year. Um, and that's something we hadn't been able to do. Uh, you know, there, there are some, there's some freshmen, there were some highly ranked freshmen and I'm not writing them off. I'm not saying that, but they're not on the two D. Now maybe they're position. They don't need to be on the two D. you know, or maybe they need a year, uh, with Dr. Ray and changing their body a little bit. And, um, so yeah, but we get to we get to see all that, you know. I, from the from the video, and and again, this isn't a comparison, or it's just it's just, um, you know, Bryce, Bryce Young needs to get bigger. Just from the video, needs to get mm-hmm. a little little more um, Jalen body type. If, if you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah. So uh, again. Every time, I'm like you, every time you use two names in a sentence, people say, well, you're comparing, no, that's not what I'm doing. I'm just talking about a, talking about you playing in the SEC, you got to be a grown man. Yeah, especially at the, the, I mean, that's still a line of scrimmage position. You know, people think of outside linebackers, and they just think of LT and Derek Thomas rushing the quarterback, sacks. Uh, there's first down you got to play, you know, and a lot of times, uh, that's where young people kind of get sorted out from the grown people. Uh, yeah, you know, the, talking about the run game there. The last, the last tight end that tried to stop you, and they they go through camps, and I, I get all that. They do the five stars and all camps, but in terms of a high school game, uh, the last tight end that tried to stop you might have been six one and two ten, and now you're lining up across from a six six. 50, 23-year-old. Yeah. It's a different world. It's a different world. It is a different world. You got that right. But we're looking forward to maybe a return to the old world a little bit on Saturday with SEC football set to get underway. Hey, Cecil, safe travels, my friend. And as always, we appreciate the time. Thanks. I look forward to talking to you next weekend when we have the answers. <laughs> Every one of them. We'll have all of them <laughs> next Wednesday. We will have some complete and total knowledge in seven days. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Cecil. Look forward to it. Okay. There you go. Cecil Hurt. Outstanding, as always. Sports editor and columnist for the Tuscaloosa News. Back with more of Southern Fried Sports on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. 
You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Springsteen, born on this day, 1949. The boss turned 71 years old. Actually, more of a Clarence Clemens fan myself there on the sacks. Seen Bruce a couple times live. Don't own a single download, CD, vinyl, anything of Bruce Springsteen. But uh, the couple of shows I saw, outstanding. Tremendous. Great. And a lot of it has to do with that East Street band, man. They help make that deal. It's like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. You know, you take that element out of it. It's not quite the same, but Bruce Springsteen, 70, 71 years old today. Again, thanks to Cecil Hurt for joining us here on the program. Always a lot of fun. We have Cecil on the show. And uh, I can tell you this, if you need to take care of your residential and commercial cleaning, you can do it right now with Chase's. Chase's Residential and Commercial Cleaning. 20 years of quality cleaning experience. That's what you're going to get when you enlist the services of Yashika Barnes and her outstanding staff. 205-886-3616. Dependability, folks. I've said it many times when it comes to home services, it comes to personal services. That's usually the stumbling block. You can't count on someone or a company. Well, you can count on Chase's Residential and Commercial Cleaning. Give them a call, 205-886-3616. You know, Joe Gaither, I'm still struggling with some mobility issues, by the way, from that trail ride on Whiskey out there in uh, Grand Teton, Wyoming. Still struggling. Still struggling with some hip abduction, I guess you could say, on that left side. And I think I'm going to go to one of those stretch places today, you know, where they stretch you out. You ever tried one of those, Joe? You ever go get stretched? I'm going to get professionally stretched. No, tell me about it. Where are you going? I usually have my wife stretch my legs, but I need a pro. Uh, I don't, you know, I I saw the advertisement, and so I clicked on it, and uh, they've contacted me here this morning, and they have an opening later this afternoon. I believe it's Stretch Zone is what it's called. It's in an advertisement. I'm in need of a stretch is what I'm telling you. And so I'm going to give it a whirl. So if you hear some shrieking and screams of pain around 4 o'clock this afternoon from the banks of the Black Warrior River, I believe that's where this place is located, down that way, just off downtown, that'll be me getting stretched. You know, I'm like frozen uh, pizza dough right now. I got to be kneaded out. That's what I think. So I'm not getting a massage. We don't want to freak pops out too bad. You know, we did do the couples massage again here in the last couple of weeks. I got to I got to bring that up to pops when we have him on Friday. But I'm going to get stretched. Uh, I need it. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes this afternoon. Hey, uh, also noticed this morning. Speaking of pops, you know, pops growing up. You hear your folks, you know, you hear your dad, your mom, maybe brothers, sisters. They all have their favorites, right, from uh, from their youth and from their formative years. When it comes to sports, pop culture, anything, Pops loved Gail Sayers. And we learned this morning Gail Sayers, the 
outstanding running back for the Chicago Bears, University of Kansas, 77 years old, passed away. One of the first sports uh, movies that I really remember seeing was Brian's song. It's about Gale Sayers and his teammate at the time who ends up going through a terminal illness and passes away. That was one that hit me. I think it was James Caan in that one with Billy D. Williams playing Gale Sayers. But Gale Sayers passes away today. We'll have to ask Pops about that. You know, I could probably call Pops right now and tell him that Gale Sayers passed away. He has no clue. Because he, he doesn't do the social media. You know, he doesn't do the internet. He doesn't have a smartphone. He has that burner. And so uh, that was always, always a guy that Pops talked a lot about. Love the Kansas Comet and Gale Sayers. Uh, keeping track with Rusty as we head into the midweek. And those SEC home un- uh, Yes, there he is. Rust- Rusty's tan, rested, and ready, you know, after this elongated offseason. Uh, Rusty with those SEC home underdogs for the upcoming weekend. We told you here in the last couple of days, Ole Miss getting 14 and a half with the University of Florida traveling to Oxford. Arkansas getting 26. South Carolina getting three and a half with Tennessee in Columbia. You got two games in Columbia this weekend. How about that? Columbia, South Carolina and Columbia, Missouri where the Alabama Crimson Tide is set to walk in as a 27-point favorite at least. We'll see where that line continues to go as we get closer to kickoff. Right now, with nearly 400 votes in, folks like Lane Kiffin getting those 14 and a half. That's the pick right now of the uh, of the Twitter following. You can follow us there, Travis Ryer. T-R-A-V-I-S-R-E-I-E-R. Ole Miss getting 14 and a half. Matt Corral expected to start at quarterback. Going to be interesting to see what Lane does with John Rice Plumley. You know, John Rice Plumley is actually the SEC's leading returning rusher. Not Rakeem Boyd, not Najee Harris. John Rice Plumley. So how will Lane mix in the speed stuff? Will he play him some at quarterback? Will he play him some in the slot? Maybe put him alongside Matt Corral in the backfield. Hmm. You know Lane's going to have something special, though. He always does. That's going to do it for a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Today's lunch whistle, where I'm headed here in just a few minutes. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Look, for lunch, I love the salads. I love specifically... If I have to pick one, I love them all. But if I'm going to pick one today, it's probably going to be that chopped wedge. They take all the work out of the wedge, is what I like to say. They don't bring you a big hunk of iceberg lettuce and tell you to get to work. It's ready for you to go in the bowl. Get some grilled chicken on there. Get some of those homemade biscuit croutons with that thick-cut chopped bacon on there. And all the sauces, of course, and dressings, handmade, right there. At Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. For Joe Gaither, Cecil Hurt, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again. Until 11 a.m. on Thursday. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody. <laughs>